and rolling wild. It was incredible. I was like, this, this is, this is the stuff. This is the good stuff. You know, this is the, this is the lifeblood. Coming up next on Rolling Wild, it's Zeno Robinson. Hey everyone, welcome back to Rolling Wild. This is part two of my interview with Zeno Robinson. In this episode, we talk Young Justice Outsiders, Lando Calrissian, and a ton of other cool stuff. Let's get to it. There's no way. Like, Young Justice is one of my favorite shows ever. You know what I mean? Like, that was one of my yeah. favorite cartoons in the world. Um, I didn't even really want to be on the show. You know what I mean? Um, because it was just so good. Like, I, I was just like, I don't I just want to watch it. Um, yeah. But I, I signed petitions to bring it back. Like, it was my favorite. It was, I was angry when Cartoon Network canceled it. Um, I just thought, I mean, even in, like going back on all my Facebook memories, you can see where I've posted, it'll show me posts where I go, wow, you're just so good from like t- 2012. Um, yeah. So being on it and being cyborg, you know, like every time they would hand me a script and it would the name Young Justice Outsiders would be on the script. I was just like, this is, this is crazy. Like, and then it was all happening at once. So like, uh, I would sometimes have, I would do Big City and then I would go from Big City straight to Young Justice and they're two completely totally different shows. Um, and it, it all happened all at once. And I just think that is what was the craziest part about it. That is what's the most, I think, divinely timed part about it is, that's why I kind of believe that that God does that, and then he'll just like poop open, open the floodgates for you. Open the floodgates. Mm-hmm. I'm literally getting goosebumps just thinking about this happening yeah. for you. It's that's so mm-hmm. great. So speaking of cyborg, mm-hmm. how you know that audition comes in? Yeah. How do you approach <laughs> your take on such an iconic character, right? right. Someone who. You know, I mean, there, there's, I mean, Kari Payton's Payton, still doing you know, his version of yeah. Cyborg, right? So how do you approach that <laughs> and, and not freeze? The way I approached it, <laughs> the way I approached it was, <laughs> I'm not getting this. Like, why did you even hand me this audition? Like, you're just going to give it to Kari Payton. So whatever. That's literally the first thing that came across my mind when it was handed to me. When, when I got the auditions, first of all, it was codenamed. Uh, so, of course. Um, they tried to <laughs> they tried to kind of be like this isn't a cyborg it's some other guy but they put the backstory of the character there and the backstory matches cyborgs completely so i was like i'm pretty sure that this is cyborg and they just kind of don't want to tell me um and if it is then i don't know why i'm auditioning for it um <laughs> the role was literally not cyborg. yeah it's literally <laughs> his name was jack in the box he was jack in the box he um and then he, you know, he's a football star in high school and he gets caught in an accident. Um, hmm. And I was just like, oh, it's the same. It's the same thing. But I didn't know it was for Young Justice. I just thought it was like a new Warner Brothers, like DC movie or something. Hmm. Um, so but I approached it like it was Cyborg. I was like, even if it's not Cyborg, I'm going to treat it like it's Cyborg because that's the closest mental image I get. That's the best mental image mm-hmm. I'll get. Um, so then um, I think. Um, not knowing 100% of a cyborg, even though I knew it was a cyborg, was uh, <laughs> part of the process and helping me kind of approach it. Um, but I kind of just played it like real. Like I kind of just just played it like, I mean, the writing was incredible. So it wasn't very hard. Um, <laughs> it was It was just playing him as a realistic, young, you know, 
uh, kind of confident football star who then his kind of kind of world is kind of shattered when this tragic thing happens to him. And then yeah. upon getting the role, it was like, oh, OK, well, yeah, OK, it is Cyborg. Now, how do I approach it? Like, how do I do this role without because I, I when I when it when I wasn't too sure, I was like, even if it's not, it'll be my take on it. You know what I mean? So even if it's not Cyborg right. and it's just like a Cyborg S character, uh, this will still be my stamp. You know, um, but if it is cyborg, I'm definitely not getting it. It's just going to Kari Payton. Don't even audition anyone. Um, but then when I did get it, it was like, how do I, how do I not be Kari Payton? You know what I mean? Like, how do I, right. how do I stay true to that foundation and not try to voice match him or copy him? Right. Play Victor, not Kari. Right. Um, and it was kind of just a thing of. Um, just kind of like staying true to to the reality of the situation. And I did a lot of reading. Like I picked up a few uh, New 52 comic books for Cyborg and started reading those out loud. And I, I, I purposely didn't watch any like Kari performances from Teen Titans um, mm-hmm. just because I didn't want to get caught up in that. I did like right. like his Taken Injustice too. So I, I did like play a little bit of that just to but i i wanted to give it a a, a flair of kari without being kari i wanted to still keep some essence of that take without voice matching it um but yeah just playing him playing the reality of it and the writing made it incredibly easy so i guess that's how i approached that so that's awesome i do want to highlight three things about mm-hmm. that for um for everyone listening one specificity, yeah, um, which is also something that Charlie kind of touched mm-hmm, on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you saying that whether it was cyborg or not, that's that's how you saw yeah. it, and you were gonna play it that way, mm. and so you got to be very specific about where mm. this Jack in the Box character was coming yeah. from. Two truth, mm-hmm. being completely true to that character and his circumstances, mm-hmm. and 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 talking about kind of divine providence and how everything kind of works. Mm-hmm into something but those years leading up to it that you'd experience and all of all of the loss mm-hmm. and all of the turmoil and everything mm-hmm. so feeds into a character like victor of Stone, course who has lost, lost so much that was that was like i think one of the things i connected with him the most is because i know what it feels like to have a dream to have like a plan for how your life is supposed to go and it doesn't go that way and then when you're looking at it in front of your face not being what you want it want to be that mm-hmm. kind of that that anger that that hurt that disappointment and that that feeling of hopelessness that's not even in your control there's nothing you can do um i knew how to do that a lot yeah. <laughs> i knew how to do that immediately yeah. so yeah yeah so it, it's kind of one of those things of you know years of mm-hmm. i can't do what i've been dreaming of doing right. to all of that has led to me doing to one of my absolute dream right. roles. Yeah, God prepared you. You know, and yeah. And and knowing that and knowing all of that backstory, it feels like, well, how could how could this iteration of Vic mm-hmm. not be Xena? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of crazy. You, you know, you can't you can't separate the two now, which is just amazing. Mm-hmm. And and it's like obviously you don't you don't no one wants to experience that, no. right? But it's about how you get through that and grow from that yeah. that determines what happens next yeah it's right? it's about how you 
how you take your losses, you know? Um, and it's ultimately at the end of the day about what you want to do. I think like if you, mm-hmm. for me, it was like, Oh, like I could either give up, but I know what I would, what it would be like if I, if I quit, you know what I mean? I know how that would, right. how I would feel about that. So I'm just going to have to push through and keep suffering, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but now that, you know, I've taken classes and, you know, things like Tari said, why are you suffering? And it's like, you know, um, yeah. Because it hurts, Tarly. it does, That's man. Why. Okay. We can't all <laughs> be cow and, you know, and cow and chicken and be, have years <laughs> of experience of work. Yeah. So I just think in, in dealing with that, it's like, that pain can be useful, you know, it can, it can, um, and acting is a great way to kind of let it out. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's <laughs> it's a great way to vent it without having to really tell anybody, you know? So that, that role was a good opportunity for me to kind of have all those feelings that were like living inside of me and get them out of me, um, in a way that also supported me. And in a way that's also productive, right? Because so much mm-hmm. of the beauty of this work is that it helps other people resolve mm-hmm. things. Um, you know, when we when we watch something, when we read something, entertainment is a great way, not only for the artist to express themselves, but for other people experiencing it with the artist yeah. to to resolve a lot of things. I The last thing I wanted to highlight about mm-hmm. that was um, you mentioned that you wanted to honor what Kari was mm-hmm. doing while also putting your stamp mm. on it. So I guess it's also that um, not wanting to do completely away with what has come before, right. but honoring that and building off I think it. when you have a character like Cyborg and his foundation is rooted so heavily in Kari Payton, um, mm-hmm. you have to honor that. You know, you have to, yeah. because that's, especially in an animated field. Um, I mean, I grew up with Kari Payton, Cyborg. He's in my head when I, like, you know, like Cyborg, that's the guy um yeah and i think it would alienate people too much if i decide to go no i don't want to do any of that um i'm gonna i'm gonna do my own thing without without honoring that at all um and so i wanted to at least kind of honor that a little bit um and kind of um tell people show people the fans will be watching the show that I know, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I know. Um, and like I, and to tell them that I hear them, you know, I think it's always good for fans to know that like, hey, I I, I listen and I watch and I, I want to honor what came before while also um, being very clear that this is my take. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, and I think what I've seen of a lot of properties that get adapted mm-hmm. Um, or that see new iterations with people who are familiar with maybe older mm-hmm. ones is when it's approached with the respect of a fan right. or or a true admirer of that work is when it's most successful. And I think that's when it's most true. When you're when the people who work on this stuff or are passionate about it, there's no way that they yeah. would go. We don't want to do any of that. You know what I mean? Like if you're passionate right. about the source material, and I think that's something for I, like, leading back to you, like Adi Shankar, right? When he did Castlevania, yeah. he's he's you could tell he's very passionate about Castlevania. He's very passionate about the source material. Um, so in him working on that, that's why the show turned out as good as it did, um, because he honored what came before. 
put his stamp on it and his feel for it and uh, presented us with a project that was wrapped in the love of 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 what it was you know what I mean um, yeah definitely and I think that that will always resonate with an audience when you go hey I I love what you love too um, and even though I'm going to be doing something a bit differently I'm going to still show you that I'm on your team um, and I think that's right. what's lacking a lot in some of some of the stuff that's that comes out you know that you can tell I think people can always tell when passion is behind it and when it's not um, right and um, people can always see that and I think that's kind of been a, an issue in some sometimes like reboots and things like that where it's like wow you can tell that this person has never done research on the source material at all <laughs> you know what I mean yeah um yeah and I mean thinking about that I think one of the the best examples of this and how when it isn't a money grab or there isn't so much um micromanaging done on mm -hmm. a project and it's given to people who genuinely love something and and want to do something amazing right. with it you get something like and again neither of us are, are involved with this but i just think it's a great example mm -hmm. is uh, into the spider-verse yeah that's what i was thinking mm-hmm yeah um and i know i know you're a huge fan so okay. i'd love to to hear some of your take on this on spider-verse yeah. i'm a hater <laughs> no i love <laughs> spider-verse i just i've I auditioned for spider-verse so i'm just like Aah. um but <laughs> spider-verse is like an example of in my opinion when you give people who are passionate about the source material freedom mm. to do what they want yeah. you get things like spider-verse you know, you get things yeah. where somebody goes, oh, hey, we want to and people who want to do things differently. Right. Um, yeah. So like like the interview, like I, like um, Chris Miller and uh, Phil Lord, they were like, OK, we'll do Spider-Man, but we're going to do Miles Morales. We, that's what we want to do. Um, mm -hmm. And just taking you can tell that they I mean, even in the little Easter eggs. Right. There's so many tiny details in Spider-Verse that are just pure love letters to the fan. There's a there's a part where. Um, Uncle Aaron is watching that episode of Community where Donald Glover is in his Spider-Man suit. You know what I mean? <laughs> like a little, uh, and, and if you know the history of Spider-Man and Miles Morales, Miles Morales is inspired by Donald Glover because people wanted Donald Glover to play Spider-Man. So it's like, that's a love letter to us as fans and people who know the lore of this stuff. And they yeah. go, we see you. You know what I mean? Um or there was a part where uh, Daredevil showed up for a second in the bus on the multiverse when Miles is fighting the Kingpin. Um, mm. And, you know, that's a nod to us as the fans that Chance the Rapper, you know, that all, all that's just such a love letter to fans and also to art and passion. You can just tell. Um, yeah. And I think that's why it, kind of, it won over Incredibles 2. Like, Incredibles 2 was a great movie. Incredibles 2 was an excellent it's an excellent film, um, but it it also is representative of a um, of a I don't want to say a trope, but it's all it's representative. It's it's a Disney formula. You know what I mean? And Disney's formula is incredible. Um, I mean, I just watched Aladdin. Aladdin was great. Um, their formula is incredible and it's working. But um, Spider Verse was different from everything. Right. So, yeah, and I think it's that giving fans creative freedom, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Which is not to say that other things don't work, but it's the reason why you get such visceral and emotional reactions to things like right. Into the Spider-Verse mm -hmm. or Young Justice Outsiders right. or Castlevania. Yeah. 
Um, but I want to go back because you mentioned Donald Glover mm -hmm. and, um, you know, Cyborg isn't the uh, <laughs> the only iconic character yeah. that uh, that you have uh, taken a crack at. Yeah. So, um, yeah, what was it like getting to voice Lando Calrissian? That was really cool. Um, <laughs> I get a lot like whenever like there's some specs and Donald Glover is like a prototype. I always get those mm -hmm. auditions. Um, and even like a lot of people in my agency are like, oh, yep, that's you. Um, but funny enough, I didn't really book any of them until Lando. Um, and I knew it was Lando. They tried to the the, the spec size were also also, <laughs> but they they were like it was like Lance. I went one past you. It was Lance Chrisliak. I was like, come on, guys, this is this is you guys didn't try with this one. Um, <laughs> this is so close. One day to the they're gonna get you. I know they're gonna get me one day. Um, <laughs> but that was really cool, and I actually that was I think probably one of the hardest I've ever like worked on a character because um not only was it me playing donald glover but it was me playing donald glover playing somebody else um <laughs> and uh the hardest part about that was i didn't know how he voiced or how he like characterized lando and they were gonna give me a like a clip of solo so i was excited because i was you know donald Glover, my favorite person in the world and they're about to give me a clip of 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 solo <laughs> i'm about to see it before like everybody else but it wasn't working so um i literally had my phone to my ear the entire session just like replaying donald Glover interviews making sure i had the voice right and then making sure I, I I I brought in a bit of that Billy D smooth talk. I watched, I went and I and I watched his interview on hit what he did. So I was like, okay, we're kind of the same guy. Like it, he went home and watched Empire Strikes Back. That's exactly what I'm gonna do. So I went home, ordered a pizza, and watched Empire Strikes Back, which is the same thing he did. Uh, so I was thinking, hey, not a bad night of research. Not a bad night. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was actually really, really cool. And like hearing it back, like when the episode came out, it was like, wow, like, okay. Like there were some, some moments where I couldn't tell. Um, and I'm very, I'm, you know, I'm an artist. I'm very hard on myself. I'm very, I'm very like analytical. I'll go, okay, that could have been done better. That could have been done better. But there's some moments where I was like, oh, hey, that, that I, if I wasn't me, I might not have known. Um, <laughs> But that was really, really cool. Um, I, I, I hope I, I get to do that more. Um, yeah. You know, when Donald's not available. <laughs> but he probably <laughs> isn't. So, I mean, you've had some pretty great dream roles so far. I know we talked about how a lot of times when those dream roles come in, it's like, mm -hmm. oh, why even bother? Mm -hmm. But uh, what's, um, what's kind of next on that on that list? What's kind of another dream role dream that you would absolutely love I, to do or a project you'd love to be involved with i'm afraid of dream roles because yeah they scare me <laughs> you know what i mean because when i have one and then i'll and i get an opportunity and it doesn't happen it's so devastating it's such a yeah. huge blow to your morale that i kind of am trepidatious about like having one um but right. of course, Miles Morales is, of course, one. And I've had a very embittered history with auditioning for the character and not getting it. Um, and I'd love to play Static at some point. Um, oh, my gosh. That would be cool. Like a lot of people on Twitter. That would be cool. A lot of people on Twitter think that I, I could and I should. 
Um, and I, I'd hey, I'll join that to, bandwagon. Yes, please. I remember coming home after school and watching it on WB. Static was the first character that I saw that made me see myself. Um, and like, even when I was a kid, it didn't register to me. But as I grew older, um, I re and Static Shock was picked up by a network, so it was re airing. And I was like, wait a minute, Static is black, he's a black kid superhero <laughs> like me. And I was just like, how come it, it didn't register to me before? But I was like, he looks like me, and he's and he's and he's not stereotyped. He's he's grounded and 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 genuine and down to earth. And it was the first time I kind of saw myself reflected on screen. Um, and that's kind of where that kind of uh, that kind of dream role was birthed. So in acting, like Static was my first ever dream role. Um, and then Miles came along. And the reason why Miles was was one was just because nobody had touched him yet when he came out, right? Static came out mm -hmm. and Philomar was our the guy, right? That was the voice of Static. Mm -hmm. um, but Miles was like a clean slate. So I was like, oh, I could just, boop, I could Philomar him and I could just put a stamp on him and, you know. Um, and I haven't had that that opportunity yet. And maybe I, I won't. Um, I mean, and Miles have a, have a history. <laughs> so I'm kind of trying to leave... I'm trying to uh, let, come with May and let let God does do what He does. Um, yeah, and I mean, He's always got a better plan, right? That's what I'm trying to believe. Sometimes, <laughs> I mean, I'm right there yeah, with you. Some so. days I'm like, God, this particular thing, I just I don't understand, dog. You're, we are gonna have to have a talk when I get there about this. <laughs> like, if you, if I have to live the rest of my life like this, this is we're gonna have to have a conversation. Um, but I definitely love to play Static. I definitely love to, um, especially because he hasn't had a new iteration outside of Young Justice yet. Um, and I didn't audition for the Young Justice one, so I don't get to be mad. Brian James does a great job. I love his take. Um, but I think outside of, like, those two guys, we're, like, the top two guys, really. Um, I don't know. I'd love to voice a Ninja Turtle at some point. Oh, that'd be cool. Michelangelo would be yeah. cool. Um I can't really think of a lot. I don't have a lot of like dream roles. Uh, I don't know about dream projects. I definitely love to be in Adi Shankar's Hyperlight Drifter. Um, I know he's mm -hmm. doing a Hyperlight Drifter show. That would be cool. Um, I definitely want to do like Uncharted, like a, a game that's mocap and yeah. like very epic and cinematic and like 50,000 pages long. Um, maybe something like sci-fi um, or something like like Uncharted or The Last of Us, like very tense zombie survival apocalypse kind of thing. Spider-Man the yeah. game would have been mocap if, you know, I got it. Um <laughs> what else? I think Dagnabbit Yuri. I know. Well, I, I didn't audition for Miles in that game. So that but that it would have been cool working for with Yuri again, like after mm -hmm. after Ben 10. Um but um, I'm trying to think of something. Oh, you know what? There's a character named Tanjiro in this anime called Demon Slayer. And mm -hmm. I want to be Tanjiro so bad. Um, that's that's the guy right now. <laughs> that's the dude right now who I'd love to be. Because I love anime. And um, yeah. I've, uh, I don't know. I don't see a lot of uh, black people playing the heroes. So I'd love to be one of the first. Um, you know, so that's kind of my my current goal <laughs> um do you see that yeah. changing at all uh you know in more recent years because i know that you've talked a lot about how it's it's so 
disappointing that a lot of times, you know, a character's reduced to, well, this is the black character. Yeah. And and uh okay, so play that, mm-hmm. you know, and because I've gotten a lot of okay, this character's Latino. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so so play it Latino. Yeah. Like, okay. Um so do you see that changing at all? Or or you know, how do you because some of the characters that have come in right. and the, the ones that you've really identified mm-hmm. with. Right. It's not about their their experiences speak to me, right? Like right. Tanjiro, for example, he's a feudal Japanese kid, but he's nice. Yeah. And like, I, he's like just really nice. That's what draws me to that character is he's nice yeah. to his enemies. He's nice to, and he's almost too nice. And that's, I feel like I'm almost too nice sometimes. You know what I mean? I feel like I, I've been too mm-hmm. nice to people that I shouldn't have been too nice to. Um, yeah. I do see it changing. Um, I think it's happening quicker in on camera than it is in voiceover, surprisingly. Um, and um, but I do I do see it changing. I, I do think it's it'll take a while for the voiceover community to kind of jump on the bandwagon. But it's happening. I mean, it's happening. Mm-hmm. Like I'm getting more and more auditions. Right. Which means there are more and more opportunities right. for characters that look like me um, and all and, the, and a lot. A lot of the times they're not just broken down to their the black character or they don't have lines that are very like one dimensional like the writing uh, more people of color are getting into the industry and diversity is 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 being pushed in the industry and i think the industry is starting to listen um the thing that i just would like to see more of is less i don't know i just feel like sometimes the 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 opportunities aren't always equal for both sides you know what i mean like you'll probably get a character that's latino and then somebody else is not latino is probably gonna get that same character and two more characters on for that specific project you know what i mean like you will probably get just a Latino character. And then another actor will get the Latino character if they can do a Latino accent and then two more characters, right? The hero and the villain. And they'd get those three and you'd get the where you'd fit in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I just think once that wealth is kind of spread to everyone, I don't know if that's a representation thing or like that's up to like the agents in charge or if that's up to the casting. Um, but I think once that kind of wealth is a little spread out is when we'll see uh a little more i don't know some more interesting things happen in the industry i think another thing i've noticed going off of that mm-hmm. um and and i don't think it's necessarily um it's not always a conscious decision mm-hmm. on people's part I don't think so. um but i do think that especially because vo is is um and has historically been so open mm-hmm. it's kind of like if you can do the voice if you can do the accent mm-hmm have at it mm-hmm. um i think now there is more of a sensitivity to uh casting a voice actor who also shares an ethnicity or right. um, a race with the character right um the thing i do start to see as well though is some of the that idea of who that latino american mm-hmm. or african-american character mm-hmm. is can be expanded yeah. because oftentimes there are ideas of how that person sounds mm-hmm. um even if it's not necessarily the case mm-hmm. Uh, because I will see a lot of things um, on the Latin American side of things mm-hmm. where, you know, some characters, it makes sense for them to have an accent. Mm-hmm. 
And then some characters, it will be a thing of, you know, they're Latin American. They're born and raised in the U.S., but um, there's, you know, slight accent Mm. or like accent encouraged, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And then sometimes they'll say, you know, if the accent isn't natural to you, then don't don't put on an accent. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and a lot of times it is the thing where and especially when you're reading it, you know, That it's an American character yeah. who is of Latin descent. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, if you don't naturally have the accent, don't put one on. But it's written to have an accent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're like, well, this this I really identify with this character, right. but I don't have an accent necessarily. Yeah. Um, I've played characters with accents. And, and in those cases, it's made sense, mm-hmm. right, for those characters to have them. But I do have this cognitive dissonance sometimes yeah. with characters where it's very much written and leaning towards a certain mm-hmm. way. And you know that things are listed there because they're trying to be correct or inclusive or X, Y, and Z. Yeah. But maybe it doesn't serve the character. <laughs> um, Does that ever happen to you? Sometimes. Like, I've had some auditions that were horribly offensive. And I was like, I guess I'm going to do it. But mm. And I've also had auditions, like, where it was – where they didn't really – and I think just for, like, black people, um, it's, like, kind of like um, – I feel like for us, like the accent's kind of up to us. Like, but most of the times I kind of determine it based on where they're from or kind of the dialogue or, you know, their attitude. If it's a very like, if they tell me, oh, this kid, he grew up on the streets, he's kind of got a chip on his shoulder, I'm for sure going to kind of push in the direction of, you know, the, the, the typical, you know, oh, he's street, so he's a little rough around the edges. But like, for example, with like Victor, um, there was no, there was no kind of description, but like, it said in the in the dialogue he had a 4.0 GPA. He's a high school football star, so I wanted to give him confidence and kind of that educated kind of sound. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. So um, that's kind of what I went for. Like, so I didn't push the quote unquote black scent too much because um, I did want to push it that far, but I I wanted to give him that kind of flavor. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. But that's, yeah, <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. And I think it's just a little <laughs> more jarring for like, like, like black people. Cause it's like, it's like um, some people, some, some like actors have their like natural like accent, you know what I mean? And I don't really have mm-hmm. that. Like I quote unquote sound, I've been told like I sound white. So like um, I'm going to come off a little more proper, like in my natural speech. So in order to like play like other kinds of characters, I have to kind of push in that direction, which is for me now, I've kind of gotten it down to a science. It's kind of like an easy, it's an easy push. It's an easy, like, Oh, I just got to put it in a little bit that that way. Um, Right. But I think that's our biggest thing is like some, some of us don't talk like that and some people expect us to, or they want us to, or that's what they're looking for. And we either have to, choose to learn that so we can serve that or we have to just give them what we have and sometimes what we have is all we got um so it's just kind of figuring out what and for me if it were me i just pick whatever i thought would serve the character whatever i thought would would be best for the character um mm-hmm. you know if i felt like he didn't really need an accent or if i felt like he i should put on the the urban you know um i'll do it yeah all right so Final thing going into the end that I want to know from okay. you is, um, well, I guess a few things all kind of in the same category, yeah. but for anyone listening who is starting out in VO mm-hmm. or wanting to get into VO, mm-hmm. 
What is the best advice you could give them? Oh, the best advice? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> I'd say just keep doing it. Like if, to get into VO, the, if you want to get into it, like do it. Like keep practicing it, researching it, um, taking classes um, is a great tool. Um, I wouldn't be where I am today without God and classes. Um, God, if, and if you believe in in a higher power, stay steadfast in that higher power. They have a plan for you. Um, you just have to be faithful and be vigilant because it's a tough industry. It's tough to get in. It's tough to figure out. Um, but you know, once you kind of got your own methods down to to uh, to how they work for you. Um, yeah, I think you'll be fine. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. I love that. Yeah, I just just keep doing it. That's the most yeah. the most thing is no matter how many auditions you go on and how many things you lose, if that's what you really love to do, you're gonna keep doing it because you won't be able to do anything else. You'll go crazy. Um, just keep doing it, and there's always room to grow. Yeah. I mean, that's the name of the game here, mm -hmm. right? Because uh, you're not going to book everything. No. You're not even going to book most things. Right. Um, the last thing is, if you could go back and give yourself starting out mm. some advice, any advice, would it be the same? Would it be something else? I think if I could go back to that little, little boy at 14, um, <laughs> listen to your mom. <laughs> <laughs> listen to your mom. Listen to your mom. Um, and don't forget that this, this is for you. You do this for you. Um, then don't forget that the love of it, you know, and it'd be like, Hey, and in like 10 years, you're going to be cyborg, bro. So just do, keep doing whatever you're oh about to God. do. <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of one of those, like. Uh, past future things, right? It's like, do you want to tell yourself that you're going to be a cyborg? Does no. that change the future? It what does might, that do? I won't tell him. I won't tell him because then he he because I know exactly what I do. I'd be like, oh, is this the audition for cyborg? This is it, right? And then he'd try way too hard, and then he went he he do some some phenomenal mistake, and it'll be like Bumper Robinson instead or something. <laughs> We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to get the the movie version of that. Right. Going back and trying to fix and make sure you're still cyborg. Dude, cyborg. Well, I'll talk to Greg about it. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for carving out an hour you're of welcome. your time, you Zeno. I know you're busy and you're out there and you're I'm trying. You're giving it your all. I am. I know you are too. So <laughs> thank you for carving out an hour and picking me out of everybody in the world you could have picked to be on your show i'm so excited to have you on i'm so yeah. excited for everyone to hear this hopefully there was some good stuff in there you know um oh i think it was all fantastic okay awesome um <laughs> if you'd like to take a minute and plug anything plug any of your shows upcoming projects side hustles social media um the floor is yours. Okay. Um, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Childish Gamzino. It's great. I know. 
um at <laughs> childish gamzino i don't know if i'm gonna eventually have to change that but I, I like it for right now i don't know about any upcoming shows just keep watching big city greens and oh young justice in july yeah. july 3rd please please everybody watch i feel like i want to and i'll probably say it here maybe i don't know i had this idea that i if everybody like if we got like a million views or something i'd like record a video of me doing my longest booyah ever so Maybe that'll happen. I don't know. It's up to the people. Alejandra, to all your cool. fans. To all your fans. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, they're, they're listening. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think that's it. All right. So I will be linking Zeno's social media and uh, shows in the show notes for this episode on my website at alejandrainoso.com slash rolling wild. And thank you so much, Zeno, thank for you. being with us. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yes, yes. It's, been, it's been great. Thank you so much. What an episode. What a pair of episodes. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in to Rolling Wild. As always, you can catch the show notes for any of these episodes at alejandrainoso.com slash rollingwild. And I guess we'll call this one episode 113, Cyborg and the Good Stuff, with Zeno Robinson, part two. <laughs>